0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Take out your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14, is where we're going to be today. And um, bef- while you're turning there, let me uh, let you know Lent begins this Wednesday. It's called Ash Wednesday. And um, we begin a 40 day intense time of focus on the Lord and time of fasting. Um, abstinence and, um, and seeking his face and praying and entering into what uh, symbolically would be sort of us entering into a 40-day days of the wilderness with him uh, in that sense and uh, walking with him and giving up things that we, we enjoy quite a bit to enter in that time with him in uh, a close walk. So this is what this symbolizes, these 40 days. Um, But you might be asking, you know what, I would love to do something, but I wish somebody would give me a plan, uh, something to do, right? Um, Well, you're in luck. I I talked to the pastors this past week, and we actually put together a plan for you. And if you want to enter into this plan, uh, it's 40 days, prayer and fasting, February 22nd to April 8th. Um, You can actually hit that QR code. It'll take you to a website that will provide for you a daily calendar and let me just give you the overview to pique your interest a little bit. The first 10 days, starting with, this, um, starting with this Wednesday, we will start a daily devotional. And the devotional is called Life by the Spirit. At that website, you'll have the ability to go to that. It's in U version. You can actually just go to your U version on your phone or device and you can look it up and start on Wednesday. Are you with me? Start Wednesday, not today. Okay. All right. You're going to be ahead of us and you'll ruin everything. I'm just kidding. So start Wednesday, all right? And then during that time, for ten, the first 10 days, we are going to give up, um, and and I say we because I this is me, and so if you're joining in on this, you're joining with me on this. Um, the first 10 days, from February 22nd to, the th- to March 4th, we are giving up all social media platforms, all of them, because TikTok is China spying on you, and you know it. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. But for Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you name it, your platform, the one you enjoy, uh, we'll, do, we'll give it up for 10 days. Now, I have to admit, that's kind of easy for me, right? For me, it takes a lot of work to get on social media, and I'm not really great at it. Uh, so it's not, I have to admit, personally, that's not a huge one for me, so I'll probably add some things to that. But then the next 14 days after that, from... March 6th to March 18th, we'll go 14 days and we'll fast all forms of entertainment. Now, for some of you, that is social media, right? Uh, Some of you, you know it, it's the news, and you know it. You need to fast it. So I'm talking TV, movies, shows, news, all the things for 14 days. Now, what we can do is you can, if you would like, add this add these elements along the way instead of removing so you can do social media and start and do for all 40 days for social media and then add entertainment in that second period and then 21 days at the last from march 19th to uh, april 8th we're going to do a food of your choice so it'll enter into a fasting of food. And I'll talk to you more about ideas of things that you can do, but it'll be basically up to you on uh, what you'd like to give up as far as a food item until then. Now, you might be relieved to know that every Sunday in this plan is not included in the 40 days. So basically each week, if you feel like you're not going to make it, you just have to make it to Sunday. Because Sunday, because Sunday we come together as a church and we celebrate the resurrection. And so it's not, that day is a day of rejoicing. It's not meant to be a day uh, for us to um, be sad and, and fast, so Sundays are breaks break days for us okay so just know that 's the plan If you click on that you 'll be given a calendar on there you 'll be given a link to the life devotional life by the Spirit devotional and you 'll also get a phone wallpaper that you can put on your phone and it 's just something for you to look at every day as you 're going through this to know each day what what is involved on that day okay? And we begin that devotional Wednesday, Wednesday, Life by the Spirit. And the reason we're doing that as a body, and hopefully you'll at least join in that with us, and that's a daily devotional, it can take five minutes or it can take two hours, however long you want to take that, um, it can do that. But we begin a series today, a six-week series, during this time of Lent, and we're looking at the biblical teaching of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that's an accident. Um uh, probably a year ago, I had planned on doing a series on the Holy Spirit last fall and I was going to do a seven week series, and I was going to do the fruit of the spirit and a different fruit every week, all right um, And so then I got to the fall and I said, nope, I felt it, this nope, and I said it needs to push. and so we pushed it and then... Probably a month and a half ago or so, it was not a fruit of the spirit study, it is a, the Holy Spirit, and we want to deal with as comprehensive as we can the biblical idea of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. The prayer series we just got out of was really coming from another direction, and, and it was something I threw in last minute, and we just kind of went with that, but this has been in place for months this particular series, and last week, before the Kyle Buda campus and this campus, I kind of jumped out there, and I shared my heart with you, um, that over the last year, I have sensed that we, the church, Big C Church overall, Christians in the world, um, have been going through a pruning season for the last few years, and pruning seasons are for the purpose of fruit but pruning seasons lead to fruit seasons. And so as bad as the pruning has been and as, as, as uh, to the scope that the pruning has happened all across the world, to the same scope, we'll see the fruit. Now, that's just simple reasoning from the text. My father is the vine dresser. He takes off branches that bear no fruit. And what is the vine? The vine is the church, Christians in the world, all of his people, the family of God. And he takes out branches. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's talking about his church. The church is the branches. And so he's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you say plugged into me and you produce life. You have life-giving power flowing through your lives, flowing into the world on mission. And he says, my father's vine dresser. He comes and he cuts off all the branches that bear no fruit. But then he prunes the ones that do bear fruit. And the pruning is just for more fruit, not leaves. You want sun to get down to that vine and, and for it to produce more fruit. And so, to the degree that we've experienced pruning, he is bringing fruit, and it's a fruit season. And I say fruit because I say fruit is a picture of life. Life, flourishing, power, wholeness, uh, all those descriptive points that I believe that I shared this last week. If you weren't here, I do believe we could see, because we've just seen a pruning season like none of us have seen in our generation, we probably are about to see a fruit season that none of us have ever seen. That We are probably about to see a revival of incredible portion um, that could transform the very landscape of our world. Now, uh, I do feel a little bit like I hope I'm not crazy. I know that people say this kind of thing a lot, that it can be said by a lot of people and nothing happens or nothing extraordinary happens of the way that they're talking and And, uh, and so I fear greatly that I'm speaking out of some emotional state, but I would say it's been a continual, continual, continual emotional state that I have had for a year. Uh, So if it is an emotional state, it is not just a whim. This is something that has been consistent and it's been verified through, um, I'm going to tell you, little old lady prophets that have given me notes that said the heavens are about to break open and I see a date on there and I've left it on my desk and I have just been waiting for that. And I consider them prophetess of God. And um, I have heard these things from several different places. None of them related to one another. And I am hearing the Holy Spirit confirming what he might be saying to us as a church. I'm feeling that. And so what I'm doing is I just declare it to you. Now, I do not know. I do not have a corner on God. I could certainly have it wrong. I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. All right, so obviously I didn't totally have that right. So, but here's what I do I do know that the Lord will speak to his church, and it isn't through just one authority or any of that, it's us. And so, what I'm doing is I'm contributing to the conversation. You have the Holy Spirit in you, just like I do. Now, we come together and we seek his face, and we all share with one another what the Spirit of God is saying to us in our hearts. And that we, we 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 develop a collective understanding of who God is and what He might be doing in the world, and some of us contribute more of a prophetic thing. Some of us contribute more of a teaching thing. All of us contribute to, to that dialogue. And as we do, we, we we see the revelation of God and what he might be saying to his church. So I say that not to say, I know everything that's coming. No, not necessarily. I'm telling you a sense to start the conversation in the body of Christ to say, let's all come together and let's share and let's talk and mutually give sacrificially to this talk and this effort, and let us all come in to what the Holy Spirit is saying to his church. Amen? And so I'm just starting the conversation. That's it. Uh, I'm not the mouthpiece for God uh, leading the whole effort or anything like that. I'm just one little spout, right? Um, Perhaps this past week uh, you heard of what's happening in Kentucky. Now, I preached last week sharing about this revival, not really knowing anything about Asbury. Asbury. Uh, or anything like that. I just start getting texts this week about it's funny you preached on that and then all and now this thing is happening at uh, Asbury and um, and I praise God for what I hear. And so let me give you a little context of what do we do with these kinds of things. Let's just say one of those broke out here in Austin. I mean, what do we do with this, right? Um, well, um, I am praying. I would say if all it is is, this particular move on a campus i think it's wonderful i praise god for that but that's not what i'm talking about Um, it could be a start of it Um, what i'm talking about is a kind of move of god of a hundred thousand of those in every city across america that kind of move of god everywhere and it all happens like that all right Uh, that's what i'm feeling and that's what i'm sensing but, you know, God works in His church all the time. I mean, every time we gather together, the Spirit of God is present, and he, we open His Word, and we pray, and we praise, and we meet with Him as a church body collectively. He meets with us. He ministers to us. There's power here. People are freed. That happens all the time, all the time, okay? So you all get that. So in a sense, pockets of revival are always happening because the Holy Spirit is always going to keep His church fueled with the fuel we need to keep living for him and be in, in, the, in the power we need to do what he called us to do, you know. But there are seasons. There are times when he's, the, 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 the shutter, you know, like in the animals when you've got a feeder out there and you've got that shutter real, real tight and just a little bit is just falling out, you know. Um, it's, there's those times when you feel like, man, Lord, we need sustenance. <laughs> I see great men of God falling morally. We're all scrapping and clawing, Lord, for spiritual nourishment here. Your church is crying out for you. We're in a desert land, and you got the little kernel that we're all fighting over right now, and we could use some more. You know, there are those seasons. There are those seasons. There are dry seasons. There are seasons when we're chomping it, we're just trying to be faithful to Christ and His teaching, and we'd feel like there's not a lot of power helping us do that. Just enough, just enough, and we're hanging, hanging by a thread a little bit. They're, they're, those are the seasons. But then there's other seasons when God comes, and in his own sovereign will, and his own sovereign planning, and in his own deciding, he comes into a body of believers who are doing their routine thing, and he takes the shutters, and he goes, and it just comes, just like that. He he decides when, he decides how, he decides who, he does all of that. We can't manufacture that. That's his deal. But there are those seasons that come, and they come and they open the shutters, and all the sustenance comes pouring out, and everyone's consumed, and it's like a tsunami of God's grace and presence and power comes sweeping into the church uh, with no measure to it. He's not measuring it out, the distribution of it. It's just pouring out. And it's consuming, and it's powerful, and it's life-giving, and all the fruit of the Spirit all begins to manifest in the people of God in that moment. Now, that appears to be what happened in that isolated moment in, in Asbury. This morning, my wife sent me um, information that said that th- <laughs> this morning, it's, going for, it's been going for 10 days. The worship service has been going for about 10 days. Y'all know? Have y'all heard? Anybody heard about what's happening at Asbury? Okay. It's been going for about 10 days. It's been students at the seminary. This morning, there were 10,000 people on that campus waiting to get in this chapel. A little bitty chapel, by the way. It's not a big place. And 10,000 people waiting outside to get in this chapel to be a part of what God's doing there. This service has been going on daily, all day, every day, for 10 days straight. And now there's 10,000 people on that campus and meeting with the Lord today. And it started very simply, and this usually happens in a revival, a church is just doing what it does. We, we know how to meet and be the people of God and meet with God. We get together, we pray, we praise, we preach the word, and we all come together. We have those movements of worship, and then we go to our lives. That's how we do. And God decided to come into that normal routine chapel service of just a meeting where the word was preached, people were praying and praising, and that was it. And he decided during that, it was pretty unremarkable. Everything just kind of happened. Poor preacher. I hope whoever preached that doesn't feel offended. Everybody's saying, it wasn't nothing to it, you know. Uh, and, uh, but what happened is a group of students stuck around after the service was over. And they were in the back or up in the balcony or something. And they broke. They just broke. They had been carrying uh, despair, guilt and shame, uh, anxiety, anxiety depression and some of the students just started breaking and just saying I just want to start confessing and they started confessing sins and the people around them began to just pray for them and all of a sudden they just decided they're getting great relief and power and joy is flooding their soul and they're having an experience with the Lord and so they didn't want to leave and so they just stuck around. And they were like, I just want to stay right in this because the burden I've been carrying has been totally lifted and I don't want to go back out there maybe and it comes back. (laughs) I'm feeling total freedom right now and I want to stay with this as long as I can. And so they just kept talking. They kept confessing and praying and praising together and they just kept going. And then other students started coming and going, I heard that y'all hadn't left. And then they came and then they start having this experience and then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And eventually the, the campus had to start rescheduling their classes because we can't get students to go to class because they're all over meeting with the Lord. They investigate. They find out, okay, this is a real thing. People are really broken here. And this is the spirit of God has been poured out. And they did this. And now there's 10,000 people there this morning. And it is a move of God. Absolutely praise God for that, 100%. Now, uh, what, what, do we, what do we do with it? One thing, we're not going to manufacture it. I'm not going to go there and look at it. He like, said, so what song do they sing? And like, come on. You know, like we're not going to do any of that. God knows how to turn on the spigots right and 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 we're doing every, I'm, and as a church we are positioned and postured in a way that is way open to the lord and we are ready for him to break out and if he does we're not going to try to control it or stifle it or be afraid of it because it makes us feel awkward no we want that we want to vent that here and we want the holy Spirit to have control if he breaks something out in a small group we will give that space and we will continue to give that space but we won't manufacture it does that make does that make sense uh, there's not a formula he's not a he's not a um, Slot machine, right? So we don't work with God that way. But this revival, if it's an indicator of anything else that's going to be happening, and you want to know what's the center of it, the center of it is that, a, that people who are burdened deeply with anxiety and despair, they're carrying it around, they've been carrying it for a long time, and depression, anxiety, and guilt, shame from sin is just weighing on them and they break and buckle underneath the weight of it and their freedom and life comes pouring out of their heart and you know James even says confess your sins to one another and you will be healed so there's a power in confession and freedom coming we know that from the bible but there's a power of repentance confession and just a sharing and a mutual love and concern for one another that's coming from people who are carrying burdens, just breaking under those burdens and breaking before the Lord and breaking for the body of Christ and experiencing his freedom in that. And that's really when revival will uh, happen in any heart. This morning, if you have been carrying a burden of darkness in your soul And you know good and well you have, and you know it's driving you crazy, and it's making you miserable, and you are burdened, and you are shamed, and you are feeling depressed, and you are feeling anxiety, and it has gripped you, and you cannot seem to shake it. Today is the day when you should break. Break before the Lord. Break before him. If you feel shame, because if you confess something to a brother or sister in Christ, and you would be embarrassed, and you would feel social shame from that, break From underneath that and come out and be healed and be cleaned and be strengthened and encouraged and receive the life of the Holy Spirit. He'll meet with you right now. Break though. You gotta break. You gotta break. Confess it. Don't do this. Don't think I feel uncomfortable. If you want to experience that revival, anybody can. You hear the word of the Lord and you say, I am going to break. Whatever this is in me that's driving me crazy and killing me, it's coming out today. And I'm going to share it with a brother, sister in Christ. And I want people to pray for me. And I'm coming out. And I'm coming out. And I'm going to break before the Lord. And a fountain is going to come up within me. The Spirit of God is going to come up within me, a life-giving water, and He's going to take me and fill me and change me and free me, and I'm going to do that today. And you should do it. You should do it today. That's where revival begins. That's where revival continues. And that's how the Lord works. And it looks like that's exactly what He's doing in Kentucky. So let me get into the text and preach a sermon in nine minutes. So, if, but if you heard anything, that's what you need to hear today. To hear the word of the Lord from that. John 14, we're looking at the Holy Spirit. John 14, I'm going to read from 15 to 27. Jesus speaking to his disciples, and they're in a circle, celebrating the Passover meal together. Jesus is telling them everything that's about to happen. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me. And I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, open our hearts and our minds to you and your word. And although we often fail, we seek to obey your commands. What father, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? What father, if his son asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Heavenly Father, give us the Holy Spirit without measure. We ask for that, which is good. Father, send your spirit to flood our souls. Send your spirit to melt the proud heart. To satisfy the hungry heart, to heal the hungry heart, the hurting heart, to clean the guilty heart, to relieve the anxious heart, to lift up the depressed heart, to bring the oil of gladness instead of mourning garment of praise instead of despair. Father, send your spirit to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison to those who are bound. Give sight to the blind. Father, we ask for a good thing. And we need you more than we need anything else in this life. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, for the glory of Jesus, send the Spirit and make us glad. Restore what has been lost. Flood the earth with a spiritual awakening across our land. An unstoppable, overwhelming Holy Spirit fire. That consumes even the most resistant. And we are here. Start with us. We want no glory in it. We want to be forgotten. Oh, just that the Holy Spirit would come. Bring it up from the earth at every point, Lord. All at once. Sweep our land. Revive us, O God. And it's in the name of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus that we ask it. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a doctrine of the Spirit. Jesus talks in very organic language here about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he's just talking about the Holy Spirit. And and there's a lot to unpack here. um, But it's all intertwined together. And it's not so easy to to untwine and, and show the structure of it. Uh, so let me just give you a couple of basic things. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit as we begin this series. First, the Spirit is eternal. It's not, He's not a created being. He's not angelic. In fact, Genesis 1-2, it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep in the creation act. Here is the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. And the picture here, that hovering is the picture of a mama bird hovering over a nest. Uh, with care and love, and also with this sort of emanating, life-giving love power uh, that a bird would have over a nest. And this is the the picture of the Spirit of God over the earth, producing his love and his life uh, on the earth. And he's executing the will of the Father who speaks and the Holy Spirit is executing the will of the Father. Here we see all of this happening. A caring Creator, gazing upon the earth with delight. Secondly, the Spirit is divine. He is God. The Spirit is God Himself. He's not angelic. Um, he is part. He is part of the Godhead. And then the Spirit is a person. Thirdly, the Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a he. At every point in the Bible. He is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Proper Trinitarian doctrine will always remain in the theological tensions of one God in three persons, three distinct personalities, one God. Homoousios, the same substance in the Greek, is the basis for the oneness of the Trinity, one substance, one essence, three divine persons, one essence. Now let me just give you an example of where Jesus just sort of splattered out a sentence and then we get this thing. Uh, Jesus said that the Father and he will come to you. And what does he mean? Well, he's saying the Father and he will come to us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will come to you. And Jesus had no differentiation. The Spirit coming to us is Jesus coming to us. And there's one sense where that's the same thing. And yet Jesus is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not Jesus, and yet the Spirit coming to us is Jesus coming to us. Welcome to the tension of the Trinity. This is the stuff that Jesus left us with to try to unpack and understand the beauty of the triune God. So Jesus, the Father, come to us personally in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's a doctrine that is not meant for us to comprehend. It's a doctrine for us to apprehend. We grab hold of it and we analyze it and understand its beauty we don't try to say how does that make sense because it's okay to have a God that doesn't make sense to you right you okay with that that he goes beyond your intellect you have to understand that you have to open yourself a little bit to that however however let me say this too all illustrations that try to illustrate the trinity all fall short now all illustrations point to an aspect of the trinity that's a beautiful portrayal of an aspect of the trinity but all of them break down so i don't care don't bring me clover all right uh don't talk to me about fingers connected to a hand i know uh h2o i've heard all the illustrations they all fall short are you with me the closest thing actually that i have found is family father wife kids kind of seen as one but yet distinct in personality this still breaks down because christy coming to you is not me coming to you there's one aspect that she kind of represents us but not the same not the same uh so that's as close as i think we can get but it still doesn't do what the bible talks about when it talks about the trinitarian doctrine But all this to say that the Holy Spirit is a person in the Trinity and has a particular work of God in salvation in the world. Three things about the Spirit is given. I promise I'll be quick. The Spirit is given, Jesus says. He is given. He is sent and he is given as a gift. First, the Spirit is given to those who obey Jesus. In verse 15 and 23, he who loves me will obey me. And as you are obeying my commands, all of a sudden, a person who's saying, I'm going to obey Jesus, Jesus says, your, your, your heart is in a place where you're seeking to obey me. That person, I will come to and reveal myself to him. Jesus literally says, manifest myself to him. Um, it's actually, um, he says, the world can't receive me. Why? because the world doesn't seek to live in obedience to jesus and if you don't live to seek obedience to jesus you will live oblivious to supernatural reality you're going to be in a state where you're in a paradigm where you can't see supernatural reality you can't know the spirit or see him and therefore you'll think the things of the spirit are foolishness until until you're awakened now once you're awakened this is a common experience and a common expression from everybody who was born again. I was lost, and now I'm, I was blind, and now I, what we say in that is a descriptive thing to say that I lived in a paradigm where there was all kinds of spiritual reality living all around me, and I was completely oblivious to it. Why? I don't know. I just was. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And what we know happened is that you begin to hear the message of Jesus, you begin to want Jesus, you begin to obey Jesus, and all of a sudden the curtains opened and God says, okay, whatever that paradigm is that's keeping you from seeing, I'm going to break it and I'm going to open it and you're going to see me. I will manifest myself to you. And you're going to, you're going to go, oh my goodness, it's you. It, you're, you're real. Like, oh, whoa. And you come awake to this whole new paradigm uh, of the spirit, uh, of, of the Holy Spirit and supernatural, divine things, and you begin to be totally awakened to it, and you go, "Where this has been here in here all the time? Yeah, you're the one over here. He brought you in here, and he did it by his Spirit, and he has sent to those who obey Jesus. Now you need to know that the Spirit would have you follow Jesus and His Word." And the spirit would have you focus on Jesus and focus on obeying Jesus. And he will assist you in that. And you are finding that when you want to obey Jesus, you are aligning with the Holy Spirit because the spirit of God wants Jesus glorified in you. He wants a mutual, selfless, sacrificial type of energy. The Father is the Son is the Spirit has loved each other from all eternity, and they are mutually submissive to one another, and they are mutually wanting each other to be glorified. So Jesus wants the, the Father and the Spirit glorified, so he says things like, If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, no forgiveness. No forgiveness. So he says, I've glorified the Father, and he doesn't talk of himself. He doesn't focus on himself. He focuses on the others. And there's the selfless, loving, glorifying of all the other members and the selfless aspect of the Trinity, and the Spirit of God would do the exact same thing. He wants the glory of Jesus, to so the glory of the Father, and for that to be our focus, and he comes and he assists us. So if you love Jesus, and you see the beauty of Jesus, and you see him as glorious, guess who is helping you do that? There he is. There he is. It's the focus on Jesus. The world cannot receive him, and the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are discerned. They are in another realm. They can't see the Spirit. They can't see the Holy Spirit until God breaks in, brings regeneration by His Spirit, and manifests Himself to Him. So that is who gets the Spirit. Third, secondly, to dwell within us forever. And I said I'd be quick. I know. Bear with me. To dwell in us forever. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphan." Can you imagine what an orphan feels when they feel abandoned? Feel that for a minute. A child whose parent parents say, I'm abandoning you. Now, what does that child feel? I need you. I can't live by myself. I need your knowledge. I need your resources. I need your energy. I need you. And I'm abandoned. And now I'm all, it's all about me now. All I have is me. And here's the worst part of an orphan. No one loves me just for me. The one who is supposed to give me that abandoned me. No one loves me just because I'm me. I'm an orphan. Now, we need to feel that because Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In other words, I love you. I will be there providing. I will love you. I will manifest myself to you. I will be there. You will not be left alone. Period. He will dwell within us forever. This is the the cool thing. Well, we're going to visit the temple in a few months, the Israel trip. We're going to, well, not the temple, the, where the temple used to be. And the presence of the temple, the Shekinah glory of God, the personal presence of God dwelt right there. He leaves 8070, and uh, the church takes in the Holy Spirit, and He dwells within us, and we are called the temple, which is an incredibly powerful statement. But the presence of God lives in us, and we are that temple. And he dwells within us, and he says he dwells within us forever, forever. Now, he says that you will know, too, that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and that you are in me, and I'm in you. What is all of that? That's Trinity. When the Spirit of God comes into your heart, you are drawn into the experience of the love God has for himself from all eternity. Have your mind blown yet? Jesus is saying, the love I have for the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit for me and the Father, and all the love that we've been expressing to one another, the incredible, beautiful love that we have for each other, you've been brought in, and it's in you now. And that actually makes you selfless. Jesus wants to make you a selfless person that loves, because he wants to make you like himself. So that's the goal of the Christian life. You get in the selfless love of God and it pours out of you and you love others selflessly. And this is where God wants us. Okay, so dwell within us forever. This is what he's talking about. Then lastly, the Spirit is sent to be another advocate for us. To be another advocate for us. Verse 16 and 26, Jesus says a helper or counselor. The problem is you have the Greek word parakletos which y'all have probably heard the word paraclete. Um, maybe you're familiar with that. The problem is, is in the English, we don't have a direct full word that matches. So what you see translators do, in your Bible it's probably counselor, in another person's Bible it's helper, um, in another person's Bible it's advocate. Uh, so there's lots of different types of words used to describe that one Greek word. And the problem is, it's hard. It's hard, this is, there's not like a, a modern there's not equivalent uh, in the English. But here's the thing. The para in the Greek is to come alongside. And it's not just to come alongside. It's to come alongside for. It's like you're for this person. So someone to come alongside and be for you. And to say, I'm coming alongside you. And so in that sense, it's a helper. A person that says, I'm coming along here and I'm standing beside you in the same way you're facing. And I'm coming beside you to assist you, to help you, to empower you because I'm for you. Okay, So para is to come alongside and to be for you, before, uh, before your interest, uh, to be for your greatest interest and to lead you right, uh, this kind of person. Uh, so in a sense it's a counselor. Um, but then you have this kaleo thing. Now kaleo is to summons, to call, to um, declare, or, and I think it's proper here, to argue to argue come alongside one for your good to argue okay so let me give you that let me give you some clarity here let me move this over here and last page of my notes so y'all know I'm closing with this okay so here's the idea let me just build it for you the judge in the courtroom on the bench and the high judge is the father the father Father God, you are in the courtroom and you're facing the Father and you say, I have sinned, okay? That's the scenario, that's the context. And the to your right is a person that the Bible calls the accuser. And it's Satan himself, it's the devil. And he says to the Father on the bench, you would be unjust To give them anything less than total, eternal condemnation for the sin they've done. And he says, they have sinned, you would be unjust to do anything less to them than you have done to me. And the Father says, you're right. You see... So many times we think the accuser is accusing you falsely, but he's actually right. You are a sinner, and you do deserve the judgment that he got, and he gets, and he's getting. And you deserve every bit of it. And if you align with God and you obey the commands of Jesus, this is where you'll get in your heart. And Satan accuses you before the Father, and he's right. But you have an advocate. In fact, Jesus says you have another advocate. Two, you have two advocates. One advocate is at the right hand of the Father by the bench, and that's the advocate number one, the Paracletos that Jesus says he is. And Jesus speaks, and he says, Father, you would be unjust to net out justice on the same sin twice. It would be unjust of you to judge and net out sentence injustice twice for the same sin in one person. And the Father says, he's right. And Jesus says, I, in my suffering, in my perfect life, and my suffering... In my atoning death and my resurrection, I have taken on the full wrath of the justice of God for all of his sins, past, present, and future. Therefore, you will be unjust because you have already net out justice upon the sin on me and I have satisfied it, and I have paid for it. And the Father says he's right. It would be unjust for the Father to net out justice for your sin twice. And therefore, Jesus has taken your your judgment upon himself. He took the wrath of God on the cross for the sins you deserve. Then Jesus says, "That's I'm your advocate. I intercede on your behalf. Then you have another advocate, he says. He's giving you another advocate, and it's to your left. And he is the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside you in that court. And to, to, to say he, he comes into your heart in this moment, and he says, I I am here to apply to you 100% everything he purchased for you. I apply it to you. The Holy Spirit comes to you and he washes you clean. And he strengthens you from within. And he opens your eyes. And he purifies your heart. The Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit comes to us and he comes to us as a guarantee. In other words, the Father and the Son have sent him to you to say, this is a deposit. And the one thing you can know is, I'm going to come through. You will be with me in glory. You will be with me in glory. This is a deposit so that you know it's true. If you have the Holy Spirit and you sense him in your heart, you think Jesus is beautiful, all of these things, there's been moments in your life, then, then you can say, hey, I am a child of God. Father has chosen you before anything was created. Jesus died for you on the cross and satisfied all the penalties of your sins and the Holy Spirit comes to you and he takes residence in your heart and he begins to argue he argues with the father on your behalf and he argues with you about you and he began and you go you know what this accuser is saying another thing and you know what yeah how can I be a child of God if I thought that thought and I said that thing and I did that act how can I even be a child of God and the spirit goes no 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 you are a child of God. You no longer listen to that person. You, I am in you, and I am in you, and I am greater than he who is in the world. He is no longer your master. I am your master. You're coming with me. You are a child of God. You are atoned for. You will get to heaven. Believe what I'm telling you and receive the power and the life of it. That's what the Spirit does for us. And the f- interesting thing is he puts our eyes on the Son of God and shows him to be so glorious and beautiful. Now, this is the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit as what Jesus says advocate or counselor or helper. This is this is exactly the role that Jesus was saying that he has and we are going to unpack more of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, in our church, and all of these sorts of things. The work and the nature of the Holy Spirit, we're going to unpack that over the next several weeks, so come back. Okay? And join in this conversation let's start on Wednesday let's hunker in if you are here today and you need to break don't leave this room find a brother or sister in Christ if not find me find Casey find somebody in here and we'll help you we'll help you we'll be your avenue we'll come together we'll pray we'll minister to you do not leave this room without breaking before the Lord letting those sorrows out, letting that shame and guilt out, and let's pray together and let's experience the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Don't have that shame. You shouldn't be embarrassed. I've heard it all. Trust me. Nothing will surprise me. If you need to talk to someone, I'm here. Casey's here. Let's do that today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just uh, we come before you, and, Lord, as we begin this journey, Lord, we want you more than anything. And when you're present, we know we need you more than anything. So so save us from the distractions of the things that aren't important. Give us life and peace, power, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Reveal yourself, Spirit. Spirit. Show us Jesus, help us to fall in love with him, to see him as glorious and our king. Bring us life. Minister to us right now during this song, speak to our hearts and help us go where you want us to go and to receive everything you have for us this morning, no matter how uncomfortable it is, we go with you. Give us courage and we pray all of that in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Will you stand with me all across the room? We're going to sing this song, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. Let's do business with the Lord.